Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast, a bonus edition of the podcast and an ad-free edition of the podcast here on a Friday afternoon as we are now hitting our sixth podcast of the week and we only have ads for five a week, so <laughs> good news for you guys. Uh, it's RK and Mace here as Zach was busy today, but we wanted to do a podcast. We're here, so we're rolling with you. And Mace, first of all, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I, I will miss... Zach's angelic laugh. I've been told it's angelic. Yes, it is angelic. And uh, even this morning when I was listening to our podcast from Thursday in my car, hearing that laugh, I thought, I'm going to miss that today. But we're here. There's plenty to talk about. And you know, part of the reason we're doing this is we've gotten comments over the last 24 hours. And also, we got the question of the week to get to on here. And it's just a very eventful moment i think in broncos country it's a very i mean i think we were it seems like we're talking about this every week but i really but it does really feel like the season's on the line and a lot has changed since we talked to you last and quickly before we get into it i have a couple housekeeping notes one a lot of you reached out to me about this but i wanted to address it um we had a technical issue yesterday uh somehow my mic went out for a 10 minute period which is weird i don't I honestly have no theories as to why it would go out for 10 minutes and then come back, Uh, but it did. So if you haven't listened yesterday or maybe you did listen and you thought it was going to happen the rest of the podcast or you just turned it off, it does stop at the 29-minute mark, so you can just skip through that. Unfortunately, some of our best (laughs) podcasting (laughs) happened in that 10-minute period, but then I also went back and I boosted the levels on your mic and Zach's mic when I was talking. So mm-hmm. if you re-download it, you can hear me a little better. Like I said, it's only 10 minutes. Uh, but apologies for that. Really have no idea what happened. The other thing, we just released a brand new, officially licensed Philip Lindsay shirt. you got to go to dnvrlocker.com and check this thing out. It is sweet. It's got Phil's autograph on there. It's our very first DNVR Broncos shirt. It has the DNVR logo on there. Uh, So make sure you head over to dnvrlocker.com and check it out. Hey, and if you haven't subscribed yet, you can subscribe and get that shirt for free. All subscriptions now come with a free t-shirt of your choice. So all the more reason to jump on, get that brand new, fresh, hot off the presses t-shirt uh, and and also get a subscription to the site. Everything about the design of this shirt, I love. It's you know he he looks first of all, it really looks like Phil. Oh yeah, and that's one of the things that I think uh, D Line Co does so well when they represent the athletes on their shirts and their designs. Is it really is fairly true to life of what the player looks like? Obviously, yes, we know the caricature with the big head, but that does look like the Phil that we see in the locker room. I love the little DNVR on the headband. Yep, in front. That's that's a nice touch. 
and uh, just it's a sweet shirt. And uh, look forward to hopefully uh, uh, many more such shirts with Phil. We did get one suggestion when I put it out on Twitter that there needs to be a Phil and Dalton shirt and hopefully that's something that maybe we can work down the line yes these shirts are uh they take a long time to produce and to get right so we have like 1300 ideas for shirts Mm -hmm. and we just pump them out as fast as we can as fast we think of them we publish them and and we pump them out so uh and we'll and unfortunately our designer who is amazing is only one man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he also has jobs other than this job, which is surprising because he also did our entire rebrand. He is a miracle worker, in my opinion. So shout out to Eric. But uh, yeah, so unfortunately, it's not something we can like replicate. We can't replicate his brain onto other people I to know. Re- design these shirts for us. And even if we try to replicate it, it'd be like a Xerox where the copy was slightly inferior <laughs> to the original. So it wouldn't be quite the same. Exactly. Uh, so... With Phil in mind, that perfectly transitions into the discussion I wanted to have here this morning. And it's something that we've seen a couple different times in a couple different ways this week. But there is a general defiance within the locker room this week. Mason, I wanted to get your take on it because it started with Philip, who essentially said, like, only the media doesn't believe in us. And if the fa- if you uh, don't believe in us and you're a fan, you're just a bandwagon fan, uh, and the true fans are going to ride with us to the end, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then Von Miller kind of matches that defiance in his own way yesterday by giving a 12-second statement on the podium and walking off without taking any questions. I just want your general take on what's going on here. All right, well, this is going to get in the weeds on Von Miller a little bit, but Players are supposed to make themselves available for questions from the media at least once a week, and and Vaughn didn't do that. He just made the statement and walked away, so I wonder if there's going to be a little uh, pushback from the uh, PFWA, Pro Football Writers of America, on that. For Philip Lindsay, I really – I heard his statement. I, I wasn't there. I was talking uh, with Devontae Bosby at the time uh, for a story that is, of course, on the DMVR.com, and – I went back and I watched his press conference and I listened to what he said. And I get his sentiment completely. You want the fans to be in your corner. They've been hearing it in media. But, you know, those guys also heard it in week two, the way that the crowd was booing Garrett Bowles. I think you want the fans to be in your corner completely. But at the same time... Some of the booing that is and, and the negative reaction that's happening in the public, this is not about this just this year's team. This is this year on top of last year, on top of the year before, on top of even the last few games of the year before that in 2016. The frustration fans feel, it's not, it's not to you, Philip Lindsay. You're one of the people that fans love. You're one of the reasons why there's still some hope. You're the the guy they're making shirts of. Yes, exactly. But sometimes, so I get, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, maybe the players in the locker room that have just gotten here in the last couple of years don't quite grasp that it's not just about them. It's about everything that came before. It's about what you're working on two and a half, close to three years of lousy football and it's wearing on the fans. And these fans in Denver, they expect results. 
This isn't, you know, moral victories don't don't move the needle here. I remember, I always talk about the Tampa thing, because I don't want Denver to be like Tampa, but I remember once the Bronco, or the Bucks lost the 49ers at home, and they actually, it was a close game, so they got a standing ovation when they left the field. <laughs> you lost, but you lost 20-16, to 16, so, oh, that's okay. Good job, guys. We'll get, we'll get the Saints next week, you know. I don't want Denver to be like that. I don't want this to be a place where we're celebrating moral victories. So there's going to be a high standard. And one thing, if I could tell the players anything about how the fans are reacting, even the media too, is that, look, if you just got here, we know you're, t- you're trying to change things to make a difference, but there's a lot of – there's some institutional frustration that has built up among the fan – in the fan base over the last three years. The boos – are a product of that as much as anything going on in the moment. Couldn't agree more with everything you said. Uh, I want to take a different angle. Please do at this, uh, and and it's the the anti media sentiment, um, and I think it goes all the way back to Vic Fangio telling the team on Sunday after the game, "You better get used to everyone thinking you suck," and. That especially, I think, took uh, on the form of like the media. Well, the media, everyone in the media thinks you guys suck, and I don't think that's the way he said it, but I think it's the way it was perceived. Mm-hmm. And so then Phil comes back a couple days later and he says, "Only you guys don't believe in us," uh, in reference to the media. And then Vaughn takes his frustrations out on the media by hurting our ability to do our jobs and and not taking questions, and. Then I see all over Twitter, well, these players are tired of the constant negativity from the media, and, and, and Vaughn doesn't want to hear you guys tell him that he has zero sacks anymore, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just thinking, like, there's a really, really simple solution to all this. Don't play bad football. No, we don't want to talk about how bad they play. We talked about this yesterday. Yeah. We don't want to... Uh, talk about Von Miller having zero sacks. We don't want to talk about Garrett Bowles holdings. We don't want to do any of that, but it is our job to talk about the team in its current state and what we see from it. And unfortunately, all we've seen or most of what we've seen has been bad. That is not on us. That's on them. It's not our job to blow sunshine and up anyone's took us. Absolutely not. And it's our job in reporting about the team critically, clearly, and honestly to reflect the direction in which it's going, to reflect the performance. I mean, if I had sat there in the press box in Green Bay, if you guys had sat there uh, after the game as well, and we had written all these, oh, you know, they lost, but they're playing hard, and uh, these are all the things that went right, and uh, don't get discouraged. Would that have really been a proper reflection of the game? No. No, you have to talk about – if you're going to talk about the game, if you're going to talk about where the team stands, you have to talk about the mistake, the self-inflicted mistakes that are wearing it down. You have to talk about the fact that because this team doesn't have the talent of the elite teams in the NFL, that – it does walk a very narrow line between success and failure. That's fair. Basically, I said this before the season, I'll say it now, this team has to draw an inside straight to be a playoff team. They're just Because there are too many potholes along the road of a 16-game season, and if you're not 
I mean, basically, I would say this, the pothole analogy. This team is driving, say, a Corolla. It's perfectly functional. It's not four-wheel drive. If you come to a big pothole that's been left after a bad winter in Denver, you uh, you might throw your alignment off. Yep. You know, un- unfortunately, other teams are the, you know, the Hummers or the, you know, the urban assault vehicles, basically that could with that, that can easily go over a pothole and basically not feel it. You know, that's uh, you know, that's even though the Packers lost on on Thursday night. The the Packers can can do that and get away with it. The Patriots can get away with that. The Chiefs can definitely get away with that. The Broncos can't. Yeah, I mean the Patriots and the Chiefs are are more like tanks, uh, the yeah. way they're just plowing through things. But that and that that just frustrates me. And, and I'm sure you've experienced this a million times, where it's like, oh, this like the media doesn't doesn't believe in us, and mm-hmm. this is the media, and there's all this negativity and and. It just frustrates me because I truly believe our ratio on this podcast and in our coverage, mm-hmm. our ratio of talking about the good to talking about the bad is exactly equal to how much they've played well and how much they've played poorly. Yeah, th- there's one thing from a team building perspective where I'll – I mean, I don't like the media bashing because of where we sit, but – if it's one of those things that can bring the team together, then great. And it's possible that, that really getting into the us-against-the-world mode and coming together rather than being disparate, it could help them. But at the same time, uh, we see other evidence of, of cracks. And, and the other thing is you don't see a lot of media bashing when it's going well. It's a function of when things are going wrong. You're looking for easy targets. It's human nature. And... The me and you know the media is right there because they turn on their radios and they open up the internet and they see and they see all these com- comments and all that. When I would say you could probably put it on the fans as well. And w- and the thing that the media is basically are kind of the representatives of the fans, the public that just have a chance to have access. And I always think of my job is to ask questions that a fan would want answered. Hundred percent. And so. And, and again, you mentioned the fans. It's not as if the fans are like, wow, everything's great. And we're over here being like, no, it's not. You don't know what you're talking about. Everything is terrible. Everyone's kind of taking the same approach to this, which is this is this is a, a dangerous cliff they're on right now. So, so this is the question I want to ask you. A lot of people have drawn comparison to last year when Von Miller, of course, and earmuffs, said, we're going to kick their ass mm-hmm. uh, in relation to the Arizona Cardinals. And then what they do, they went and kicked their ass. It's also the Cardinals. Yes. Is that – do you get that sort of vibe from this? Or do you get a – the shell has been cracked and they're a little bit soft right now and uh, it's a sensitivity thing rather than a rallying point? I get more the latter than the former. And maybe it's because – Last year, you're two and three, but you'd only had the one previous bad season. Now you've had two bad years, and really, including the end of 2016, like I mentioned, you're basically look, you're working on two and a half years of bad football. Um, I think some guys, because of that, are at the end of their emotional rope regarding the state of the team, and. It's not something that we've experienced in Denver. It is something that 
other NFL markets have gone through. And in observing those, in observing those markets, observing how this is handled, the sort of thing that's going on in Denver has gone on in Tampa. It's gone on in Carolina. It's gone on uh, in San Francisco. It's gone on with the New York Jets. I mean, you can just go down to Cleveland, Cincinnati. You can just go down the list. It's just now it's being seen here. And thus, it's unusual because we haven't seen anything like this. I was very um, on the fence about this, but without going into detail, I didn't necessarily love the vibe of the locker room yesterday. Um, And that's kind of an advantage that we have in these things is we can see the way things look on the inside. Um, I haven't loved the vibe for for a while, to be honest. Yeah. So then let me ask you this. And it'll be the last thing I ask you on this topic. <laughs> Would you like to amend your prediction for Sunday's game based on yesterday's events? No. I'm ride or die with 2010. I am ride or die with this team figuring the, some things out. May not work against some of the co- competition they have later on in this season. Kansas City twice at Minnesota, at Buffalo, at Houston. I expect it could be enough against Jacksonville. That said, I'm less concerned about the vibe relative to this matchup as I am about the abs- the potential absence of Kareem Jackson. That is a problem. That is a big, four-alarm, gorilla-sized, elephant-in-the-room problem. So if he doesn't play, would you like to amend your score prediction? I, I could, but you know what? Sticking when with you it. make a pick, yep. I feel like you have to stick with it. I'm gonna say tw- I'm sticking with twenty to ten Broncos. I think they'll fi- I think they'll find a way. I think there will be a takeaway or two. I think they'll get at least three sacks. I think they'll get twenty points. Though they'll take some help from the defense. Maybe it's and also I don't know. Maybe it's wishful thinking because I don't want to write every week that they don't get sacks. They don't get takeaways. They don't get 20 points I'm, I'm ready to move on to another topic I'm ready to move on to other stats to throw in my stories I don't want to bring this up a, again because if if they do have yet another game with sub 20 points no sacks no takeaways I feel like I'm going to be able to take my pieces from the last two weeks just cut and paste a few things out change some names change the opponent and boom there it is and I don't want to be done in 20 minutes of cutting and pasting I want to write something new <laughs> uh- I'm with you, and man, this has been one of the hard. Like, I don't know why this has been one of the hardest games to pick I've ever come across. Um, my feelings on it are so conflicting, and I'll be honest with the uh, the listeners here. I came out of the locker room yesterday, and I texted you guys. I'm changing mm-hmm. my score prediction on the podcast tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I do get it. it was not a, but it was not a positive vibe in there. But the thing is, it hasn't been a positive vibe for a while. I mean, I I'm I'm gonna be old guy here. I'm holding my phone every day to walk in there and see a moment where you'd think guys would be just kind of hanging out talking and two-thirds of the guys are sitting are in their lockers staring at their phones, scrolling down. Rod Smith and I have had a few conversations about this subject over the years, and it just, I don't, and obviously losing isn't helping that, 
But I just don't see this team making the effort to come together in a way that it needs to. And I didn't see it last year and the year before either. This is something that has accelerated over the last couple of years, and I think success could help that a little bit. But I just, I don't, I see a few few groups of guys, but I also see a lot of guys that are just kind of, you know, retreating to themselves rather than hanging out together uh, in that locker room. Now, that said, Will Parks has, you know, told me about uh, the defensive backs. They still get together every night. They go over, they, they go over film. They get, and so there are some groups away from that. But I guess I just kind of want to see that tangible thing in the locker room. There are some guys that hang out together, but I still see a lot of guys that just kind of stare at their phones a, a little too much. Yeah, it's and winning and losing always changes this stuff. And and I remember like when I started when I was first covering the team, it was 2015. They were rolling in like the locker room. I wouldn't call it like a party. I would call it like a if you went to like a an ice cream social. Like there's just when you would walk into the locker room, there'd be a lot of chatter, a lot of little groups mm-hmm. talking, a lot of guys. You know, just it was loud in there. Just from how everyone was interacting. Now it's quiet. Um, and again, that that comes down to winning and losing. So. Going back to my point, I did say, I did text you guys, and I said I'm going to change my, my score prediction. So what is it? After sleeping on it, I've decided I'm not going to. I, hey, there you go. I, the, You're the, choosing optimism. The, You're choosing belief. The overarching feeling I keep having about this game is the Broncos have drawn a really tough schedule so far. The, the, the Oakland game... Should they have won that? Yes, probably. But how many times did we say in the week leading up to that game? It's week one. Weird things happen in week one. It's in Oakland. Weird things happen in Oakland. It's on dirt. Weird things happen on dirt. And what happened? A lot of weird stuff. Emmanuel Sanders couldn't keep his feet for the beginning of the game. So that ended up being a tough scheduling piece. Then, of course, you play the Bears. That's a tough game. You probably should have won, but you actually lost. Another loss. And then, of course, you go into Lambeau against a team that is, go- is a Super Bowl contender. And you lost that one. And so I keep coming back to the fact that this is the best matchup they've had yet in terms of being at home against a pretty mediocre team. And I think in this game, we're going to see it revealed that regardless of how things are in the locker room and how the players are acting with the media, their talent is better than their record says right now, at least marginally, and that's going to bear itself out against the Jaguars. And they're going up against a young quarterback, and even though, yeah, they don't have takeaways, they don't have sacks to this point, schematically, I still think that they can cause problems for Gardner Minshew. They can throw some different looks at him that he hasn't seen before. Devontae Bosby at the end of uh, the conversation that Nikki Chavala of The Athletic and I had with him on Wednesday, kind of said they've got some stuff cooked up. So I'm expecting a few things to confuse Gardner Minshew to discombobulate the Jaguars' offense. I expect sacks. I expect takeaways. I expect a win, even though it could be a game without Kareem Jackson. And I'll tell you, that the fact that it's a hammy, that's that's a little bit nerve-wracking because sometimes with corners corners and defensive backs, guys who are relying upon their speed, the hammy lingers. You got to be careful with this. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, since we have no ads today, I wanted to take a few seconds here 
to just tell you guys about what we do at DNVR for any of you who have not subscribed. And Mace, I haven't really given you an opportunity to share why you think the fan should subscribe, so I'll start with you. Start with the best coverage of Denver sports anywhere. And obviously, you and I are focused on the Broncos here, but it's broad-based. Obviously, Adam Mares coming in and, and... and along with Brendan and really helping the Nuggets coverage. I feel like we're going to have the best Nuggets coverage of any outlet anywhere and what is expected to be a huge season for them. You want to get on board with this. Ditto for what we're doing with the Avs. We're on CU. We're on CSU. The Rockies, Drew does a, Drew Creaseman does a great job with the, with the Rockies, of course. I've been uh, reading what was now what was BSN now DMVR's coverage on the Rockies for the last few years it's been my go-to so I think you start there it's now it's comprehensive coverage of every major team in Denver but also it's being part of a community we always say the fam it's it's being part of a broader group of of fans people who are as passionate about your teams as you are people who Live, live and die with this. And also, because I feel like our coverage is of an, a smart, don't insult the intelligence of the reader variety, I feel like you, you join us, you get a higher intellectual level of coverage, a deeper understanding of your teams than you would have otherwise. And that helps you be a better fan. And that's why you should subscribe to DNVR. thednvr.com. Love it. So go in there, subscribe. You'll get a free T-shirt. And you can get the new fill, you can get the old fill, you can get an Av shirt, you can get a Nuggets shirt. I mean, uh, the opportunities there are endless. We even have um, brand new DNVR hats in the store right now. We, we're going to have more DNVR merch coming up, so uh, never, never a bad time to subscribe. Uh, but especially if you are a fan of multiple teams, Nuggets and Avs coverage just re- getting ready to get ramped up. So I got to get in on those hats. Oh, the hats are sweet. Really, really sweet. So, anyways, let's now hop in here to the question of the week, which is presented by Sports Column. And the question was, what changes would you like to see the Broncos make against the Jaguars? And, of course, question of the week is always presented by Sports Column. Great place to watch a game if you aren't going to be at the stadium. Maybe you want to come swing by our tailgate, which will be in Lot N, partnering with Sons of Mile High. We'll have free Breck brews, all of that good stuff. So maybe you want to swing by our tailgate, but you don't have tickets to the game. Well, maybe hop over in an Uber or grab a scooter like I love to and ride down to the sports calm to watch the game. Please tell me that when you are done with your scooter, you don't just leave it on the sidewalk for people like my daughter and I to avoid ran- to randomly run past that you Keep it out of the way. Yeah, I always try to get it up nice and close to a wall or Thank maybe you. next to a tree, you know, where there's a little hole there. Yes, I'm glad you do that. So that shows that you have scooter etiquette, and that's crucial. We need to work as a society on scooter etiquette. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this is a thing now, but it is. Times change. Okay, so some uh, some answers here. The first one comes in from Gunnar Kane. He says, simply winning. Uh, and Eamon Badwin <laughs> comes in and says he wants to see Fant have his breakout game and for the Boz to turn some heads. A sack would be delightful. No turnovers on offense would be splendid. Also, a win would be much appreciated. So, everything, yes. But I'd love to see Fant have a breakout game as well. And I've been calling for Bosby to have a pick six. 
I'm not backing down from that prediction. I know I'm probably going to be wrong. The odds are not in my favor. I'm calling for it anyway. Anyway. Love it. Our friend uh, Ron in Cap Hill, Ron Super Bowl super fan. Score more points than the opposition in the same game. That is all. As part of that, leaders got to lead the way. Avoid mental and fundamental mistakes. Good stuff. From Nathan Ambrose, how about a win? That would be a nice change. Uh, and from Texas Bronco, more two running back sets. Fant in the slot, a sack, maybe two, and a pick six. Grant Hamilton, get a lead so we can actually rush the passer. Kyle King, a win. Dustin Abrams says a freaking sack, just one. Is that too much to ask? Well, Mace thinks they're going to get three. So I'm getting greedy. Yeah, you I'm are getting greedy. Appropriate, you know, appropriate, we're talking about Vaughn on this podcast. I want to eat greedy. Tyler Oliver says, Fangio up in the box. Let's start there. Oh, no, I can promise you that won't happen. I wonder how many losses it would take for that to happen. See, I'm of the belief that the more losses, the less chance it has of changing because then you're, it's a development year. The same way it is for Drew Locke, Vic Fangio has to develop into learning how to coach from the sidelines. Maybe. That's true. Texas Bronco, more two running back sets. Fant in the slot. A sack, maybe two. A pick six. Man, I like the way you think, Texas Bronco. Uh, Rhett, I'd like to see more 12, 21, and 22 personnel from our offense. Helps us run the ball, and Flacco loves tight ends. From Don Mateo, I think if they could score even just one more point than the Jags, they will win. Yes? That's a bold <laughs> statement, if true. That is how it works. <laughs> David Free says he wants to see them change their name to the DNVR Broncos. <laughs> I like that. I'm in favor of that good cross-promotion there. Yeah, Dave, I don't think we would call them out on the trademark infringement. We would just let that happen. Yeah, you could have it. Yeah, <laughs> and Use our uh, city flag logo. It's okay. David, I'm in favor of them scoring more points than the Jaguars. Me too. Zach, I guess, honestly, I just want Vaughn to play well enough and get maximum trade value. Wow. I'm still a Broncos fan, and I'll still support Vaughn if he's traded. It's starting to seem like the best move for us in the future. Rhett says, I'd like to see more 12, 21, and 22 personnel from our offense. Helps us run the ball, and Flacco loves tight ends. And Seth says, just some execution. However, as I said last week, just embrace the tank. The Broncos aren't BSN to DNVR. They need to hit the full rebuild, not just the rebrand. Zach Castro, uh, ZJ Castro 94, also Zach known as Zachary. Reisner opening more holes, leading to a healthy Jano. Kicking out a linebacker for 20-yard runs for Phil, please. I would also like to see players who bring that electricity more involved. Philly Will, a.k.a. Will Parks, is an excellent example. The man's energy is contagious. Did you uh, – there's no chance that Jano plays, right? There's a chance. There is? There is a chance. Although Andrew Beck, I thought, had a decent game. There was actually one play in the red zone. He's wide open and yeah. could have been in position for a touchdown if Flacco had looked in his direction. Fant also was wide open at one point in the end zone. Yes, uh, down the back of the end zone by the, uh, by mm -hmm. the, upri by the uh, upright support, and, he, and that was the play where he got sacked, right? Yep. And, yeah, and that's where Flacco, I know he likes to take his time, but I just want to see him speed up a little bit, and he's going to have to with this O-line and the pressure it's allowing. Yeah, he just needed to make an anticipatory throw there because Fant came open for about – a half a second, mm -hmm. but it was right when he came out of his break. Mm -hmm. uh, Coastal Elidal says one possible improvement could be the defense getting a sack or a turnover. Spitfire 509. If Bryce Callahan comes back, but he won't, sorry. Put him on the outside covering the number two and Chris Harris covering the slot and Cream Jackson, who may not play, covering the number one while Simmons and Parks are starting safeties and more blitzing. Yeah, I, I like your suggestion, Spitfire, but unfortunately because of injuries, they're going to have to wait a little bit. 
Yeah, and I had been kind of trying to hint to you guys for a while on this podcast yeah. that Bryce Callahan wasn't coming back anytime soon, and, and now we know at least four to six more weeks. The only thing we know really beyond the vague timetable is it's not a list Frank injury. Right. Which is what, when you have a foot injury that lingers, it's what goes through everybody's mind. It's what Cam Newton is reportedly dealing with out in Carolina. The way it was told to me was a complication with the surgery that he had to repair that broken foot. We've heard that before. Uh, from Harrison Keating, downtown Fred Brown with a touchdown. Ooh. That's going to be hard because we don't expect him to be active, but you never know. Well, if he is active, he probably doesn't get out there on offense until the end of the game if they're behind by a lot. So, unfortunately, if downtown Freddie Brown gets a touchdown, in all likelihood, it's a window-dressing score in a 27-10 game. Or a window-dressing score in a 27-10 win. But why are you passing there? Um, you just didn't want to give the ball back to them. Okay. <laughs> uh, Nick Geyer says urgency. Man, I would love to see some urgency, too. I would as well, and I think there was one, and there was a response that we didn't get to. Uh, Zach Castro, who we uh, heard from before, replied to um, Ron in Cap Hill and said, we should put C's for captain patches on Phil, Simmons, and Parks. Won't happen ever, unfortunately. And Reisner. Shouldn't matter if you're a rookie. You can tell at least Phil and Reisner are two major blocks in this insert re-something here. You know what? I agree. I think the lead, I think where this team is going, the leadership is coming from the younger guys rather than the veterans. And I think, frankly, some of the younger guys are seeing the way some of the older players are, act, are, are, are conducting themselves on a day-to-day basis and saying, I'm not sure I want to become that. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's get into the questions here from the listeners. And, of course, you can comment on this podcast, and we will read it every single day when you subscribe to thednvr.com. You get a free shirt out of it, too. Iceman comes in and says, hey, boys, once again, the gold standard of DNVR podcasting. I do still love you three, but I have Jacksonville 19, Denver Broncos 15. Go DNVR. Wow. Uh, if you get that right, 19 to 15. Go, whatever state you're in, go down to the 7-Eleven convenience store, whatever is nearby, and buy yourself all the lottery tickets you can afford because you've got some magic fairy dust if you predict 1915. All right, here's how you are exactly right. Here's how it happens. The Broncos go up 7-0. Okay. Then... The Jags hit four field goals in a row. It's it's 12 to 7. Then the Broncos score another touchdown. They go for two to make sure they go up three. So now it's 15 to 12 and then Jacksonville scores a late touchdown to take the 19-15 lead. That's That's it's not as impossible as it sounds. Oh, I'm it's not impossible, but I'm actually currently looking on profootballreference.com. There have been only four 1915 games since 1940 and wow. none since 1990 Washington beat Dallas 1915 in week three of the 1990 season how many since 1915 <laughs> I know wow <laughs> uh, unfortunately their database only goes back to um to 1940 so that is sadly 
as far as I can get, but still. Fair enough. That, wow, that would be impressive. They could get to 1915. Wow. Hey, guys. This is from Broncos for Life 58. Hey, guys. Just wanted to give a quick shout-out to the Green Bay fan base in Lambeau. I flew to Wisconsin from Los Angeles and was immediately welcomed by several Packer fans. The outcome of the game was disappointing. However, the environment was amazing. I'll be attending the Charger game in L.A. week six as well. If any DNVR family will be there, I'd love a chance to meet you. Go Broncos. Yeah, I, you know what? We should try to see just how many members of the DNVR fam are going to be out there at Dignity, Dignity Health. Dignity. Yeah, I'd get it right eventually. <laughs> Dignity Health Sports Park. I liked it better when a stub hub. Roll yeah. off the tongue more. Because... Half the stadium, at minimum, is going to be wearing orange for that yep. game. So I'm sure we're going to have some members of the fam. So if you're listening, you're going to be at Broncos Chargers in week five. Uh, let us know in the comments. Let us know otherwise. And maybe we can uh, get together uh, inside the stadium on the concourse not long before kickoff. Also, I love the shout-out to the hospitality in Wisconsin. Now, I married into a Wisconsin family, so I'm a little bit biased here. But it's a very hospitable state, more than most make you they really make you feel welcome in Wisconsin and the reason why I encourage Bronco fans to make that trip this year is it's it's such a a, a place with a strong love of the game Lambeau is an iconic venue if you did it right and a fair amount of people did do the Wisconsin Michigan game on Saturday in Madison and then drove up to Lambeau for the game on Sunday and it's as good as football gets as far as two really organic, old-school, passionate football experiences in back-to-back days. I wish the Broncos played at Lambeau Field more often. I mean, I don't, I don't make a big deal about preseason games, but at some point I'd like to see the Broncos play a preseason game up there just to get an extra trip. Right. To Lambeau. It's an excuse to go to Lambeau Field. Let me ask you this, Mace. We never really got a chance for you to share your experience from the Wisconsin-Michigan game. How okay. was it? It's phenomenal. It's always Look, when you're in media, I think every member of the media should make a point of watching a college or pro football game in the stands at some point every year. Because you sit in the press box – and you can get a little bit too comfortable. You need to experience what all the fans experience on a week-by-week basis. Everything from you know, the fun stuff like pregame tailgates and that sort of thing to simply having to wait in line to get in the stadium because there's a long line at the security check. Understand, you know, maybe you know, being not as comfortable as you are in the press box because in, at um, Camp Randall Stadium, it's a classic college stadium. They're all bleacher seats, so you're getting to know your neighbor pretty well. Everyone should experience, everyone who is in media who covers football needs to experience that once a year. The game itself, Wisconsin played well. Would have been nice if Michigan had shown up. I thought, I think their plane got diverted to O'Hare or something like that. Yeah. They didn't make it to Madison. Um, Michigan, there were a few Michigan fans sitting near us. They've turned on Jim Hart. Yeah, it's over for him. And I think... That has some significant NFL impact because he won't have trouble getting an NFL head coaching job. And his last stand is probably going to be against Ohio State on Thanksgiving weekend. And I don't like their chances at all in that game. Even though I think, I think the game is in Ann Arbor. 
Not that it, it's really mattered over the course of the rivalry in recent years. And I th- as you get in November, teams in the NFL know they're going to make a coaching change. I think you're going to start hearing Jim Harbaugh connected with some of those potential job openings, and it'll provide a soft landing spot for him if he wants it right away. Yeah, he's done there. All right, next one's from Count Flacula. He says, just explaining my post from yesterday for RK. I wrote an entire post in your honor without using a D or an N or a V or an R. It was a way of giving you all props. I, I thought that was awesome. Wow, I didn't by the even, way. I, When I was reading it, I, I, I wish I'd been more effusive after I read the comment, but that was really cool. Very impressive. Also one from H-Town Bronco here. It says, fun fact, Ryan, reading your comment yesterday about the uh, – regarding your comment, I was going to say I didn't write that. Uh, regarding your comment yesterday about the NBA player selling shares in himself, that's also happened in the NFL. Yes, Arian Foster did this when he was in his prime in 2013 playing with the Texans. Well, hopefully people didn't buy stock in him. Uh, working in the investment banking industry, I think it's a total boss move. You have to have some big huevos – and total confidence in yourself to pull that move. I think it's brilliant. Honestly, wish more players would take that route. I'd love to own some Philip Lindsay stock myself, LOL. Anyways, just thought I'd mention, hopefully we can finally get a dub this week, but win or lose, I still love my team and the community I was born in. Who would you buy stock in on this team? I would buy stock in Dalton Reisner. Okay, you took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth. And it's no offense to Philip Lindsay. As phenomenal a player as he is, and as encouraged as I am by the fact that he's splitting time with Royce Freeman on pretty much a 50-50 basis, which is something that you need to do to sustain Phil's long-term effectiveness, the attrition rate is at running back is just such that it wouldn't be the best investment. I'll say this. this is, I know this is going to be regarded as hindsight being 2020. I would have bought stock in Shaq Barrett the day he signed with Tampa Bay mm. because – they had a starting spot penciled out, penciled in for him. They had a specific role designed for him. I don't think he's going to sustain his rate of 2.67 sacks a game <laughs> like he has right now, but it's just showing what happens when you have a young player who's shown flashes but hasn't had the chance to show much more and a smart coach who believes in him, and that's Todd Bowles on the defensive side, Tampa Bay, who I think is maybe one of the early leaders for uh, assistant coach of the year, even though uh, they did hit a hiccup against Daniel Jones last week. As it relates to Dalton Reiser, I'm working on a new theory. It's just kind of been popping into my head lately about drafting positions and, and players who you can't scheme out of games. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is a reaction to the Bradley Chubb pick. And it's, it's not as if that was a bad pick because I think Bradley Chubb is going to be a stud for a long time. But you can, you can design a game plan that says we're not going to let Bradley Chubb beat us. You can't design a game plan that says we're not going to let Quentin Nelson maul us all the way down the field. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm starting to think you've got like offensive line, quarterback. There are certain p- positions on the field, interior defensive line. I was going to say on the defense, the only position that I can think of really that you can't scheme out is interior defensive line. And that's why... Aaron Donald, even though he's off to a slow start this year, not only the best defensive player in the game right now, also the most valuable. And J.J. Watt, he's a defensive end, but the Texans are a 3-4 team, so he's often an interior rusher. Interior passers, you could maybe say like a dominant middle linebacker. Mm -hmm. It's pretty hard to scheme them out of the game. Like They're just going to be flying all over the field no matter where you go. 
So few of those guys, though. And so few of those interior pass rushers, which is, again, you because they can get to the quarterback quicker, you can't, you, you can't scheme them out. And you and if you're gonna and if you're trying to get a running game going, you've got that big presence on the interior. Well, that's a huge chunk of the field up the middle that you're not going to have. And that's also where, to your point, middle linebacker also has that sort of impact too. So that's uh, when we get towards draft season. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be thinking in that vein. So what you're saying is basically the center and the nose tackle fanning out a little bit for the, from that spot. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it it goes for anyone on the offensive line. If you have a dominant player on the offensive line, you are going like there's the defense is not going to have an answer for that. Well, if the Broncos don't have a need at quarterback in the draft next year, if they figure out that Drew Locke is the guy, um, and they're picking in the middle of the first round, I thoroughly endorse Tyler Biotish center out of Wisconsin, and then I'd move Connor McGovern to one guard spot, re-sign him and I'd have Dalton Reisner as my left guard. And if you did that, I think within a year you'd have the best interior line in the NFL. Wow. You're going to have to find someone else that you like. Just Why? one other player. I want... We have a lot of time between now and the draft. You can't just talk about him every day. I won't talk about him every day, <laughs> but he's the guy I want. And the, the other thing with Biotish, the, in, in, you know, the guy is academic, all-American, academic, all-Big Ten, very smart. I want my center to be the smartest guy on the field. There you go. Anyway, we got we got Swedish Bronco yep. here. Okay. Just considering the intro, if you're planning to write a new intro, I think it's time to play that intro you got from a listener, the little girl who had learned the song from overhearing when her dad was listening. If I remember correctly, you said, you saved it on your computer until the Broncos did something good. First win in eight games might be that, just for once instead of you singing. <laughs> well, we, uh, we did play that. And it was awesome. Yes. Uh, it was a little girl who sang it. We played it after a win for the Broncos last year. So uh, I'm sure I have it somewhere. We can maybe run it back. But we we already made Zach bet that if, if the Broncos won, he had to sing. Well, we can have two songs. That's true. Um, next one's from Rob. I'm a couple of episodes behind, but Zach asked for Denver representation. I lived in Denver until two years ago when I moved to Iowa, close to a small town called Denver, Iowa. Denver, Iowa has a population of about 1,800 people. They call it the mile-wide city. <laughs> That's incredible. I like that. That's fun. It's kind of like uh, Manhattan and Kansas being the little little apple. Since none of these questions are going to make it that we take from this podcast are going to make it on the next one, I guess it's useless to put a city shout-out. Yes, that's okay. true. All right, too Maybe bad. Maybe we did that on the wrong podcast last week, and that's why we didn't get any answers. Yeah, yeah that would be tough. Uh, too bad. I was going to give a shout-out to Jacksonville. Jacksonville anywhere because – you got Jacksonville, Florida, but it's a common name in the South. There is a Jacksonville, North Carolina. There is a Jacksonville, Alabama. Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks, FCS level, that's in Jacksonville, Alabama. Are they uh, in reference to Andrew Jackson? They're pretty much all in reference to Andrew Jackson, yes. Look at me. I knew a thing. <laughs> Bronco squared. Guys. The Dalton Reisner sunrise shirt should be Dalton's face on the sun from the hit question mark kids show Teletubbies. If you don't know, the show always started with a baby's face in the sun. It was the weirdest thing I ever saw on a kid's show as I was growing up. Then then Sutton, Lindsay, the boss, and another young gun could be the Tubbies running down the hill. God, this feels weird to write, but here we are as Broncos fans trying to find hope in weird shirts. Prost, by the way. I got to tip my cap to Broncos Square because when I was thinking about the Dawn Rising, Dalton Reisner thing, I didn't want to say it because I thought it would be too absurd, but I did think of the, the, the baby's face in the sun on Teletubbies. Oh, my God. 
That's hilarious. But and this shirt that with the guys running down the hill, that's actually you just put numbers on them. That's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> for some I would wear I, that shirt. For some reason I don't think that one's gonna be a hit. <laughs> I don't think the Teletubbies <laughs> reference to your football team gets anyone excited. Uh, time for Teletubbies. <laughs> Next one's from Huxon. Does, does your kid watch Teletubbies? Is that still a thing? Thankfully, no. Okay, good. She watches Scooby-Doo. Okay. But that's, she's seven That's a much now. better option. That's much better. From Huxon. Hey, guys. Long time no comment. First of all, welcome, Mace. The best Broncos podcast around became legendary with the addition of the Urban Dictionary. Mace. I call him the Human Dictionary. Yeah, the Urban Dictionary. I'm more dictionary. of the Urban Dictionary on this podcast. Well, let's let's say that there are some things in the Urban Dictionary that I don't think we can get into on a family show. Although, have you ever looked up Urban Dictionary on a work computer? Uh, I only have one computer, so yeah, I guess so. Okay, well, but it's your own, so yes. yeah. yeah I, I always made a point of if I had a work computer, I would never use Urban Dictionary on there. I'd go on my, my phone <laughs> or something like that. Way to, be, way to not get in trouble with the organization. Yes. Uh, he said, I've heard some people that have a negative outlook on the season and the team, and I'd like to address it. Is the team in a world of suck? Yes, they are. But we can still enjoy the season if we watch it in this perspective. Watch the young guys eat. Reisner's dominating his matchups. Phil's rounding back into shape. Sutton is taking strides to becoming a legitimate number one receiver. Freeman is improving from last year. And Chubb is playing well despite no sacks yet. And we have a potential answer at QB in October. Long story short, is the season lost? Probably so. But that doesn't mean we can't enjoy our team and look forward to the talent as we get younger. We will get better no matter what, and they are still our Broncos. Keep up the amazing coverage at the new DNVR and go Broncos. You know, one of the things I love about our commenters, first of all, there's a lot of intelligence there. There's a lot of wackiness there, too. But sometimes you, there's a comment that comes in that makes me, makes me start thinking. I can feel the gears turning in my head. And Huxing just provided one when he's talking about the negative outlook being in a world of suck, but also having all these young guys that are showing promise. And the thought I had as a result of your comment, Huxon, was this. All the talk that you hear from the Broncos organization, from John Elway, about, try, about winning right now, not rebuilding, what it's doing is it's doing these young guys a disservice. Because if there were realistic expectations about this team and where it stood and somebody got up there and said, look, we are rebuilding right now, and that's okay. We're trying to get this foundation built and solid for the long haul, then I don't think you would see the same kind of negative reaction among the fans and the media as we're seeing right now. I agree. I completely agree. A lot of this is simply because they keep saying, we're trying to win right now. We're all in to win right now. It, Pat Bowen, that we're doing it the way the way Pat Bowen would, and he didn't believe in you know white flags on the season, didn't believe in you know mailing it in. That we're we, we're trying to win now, and that's it. And I just don't think that's a realistic expectation. Nor is it wise, considering that what is good about this team is the youth, they the could, enthusiasm. They could really flip the script and in. in f- and have everyone focusing on those little things that Huxon just mentioned if they had just framed it as a rebuild year. Right. And frankly, if uh, they'd kind of gone all in with a young quarterback, although Drew Locke did get hurt, yep. rather than uh, you know, rather than having $19 million of cap space and deferring some of the cap space to future years for Joe Flacco. 
Just my two cents on that. Good good comment, Huxon. Uh, Virginia Beach Broncos, start Brandon Allen now, version 2.0. I swear I was going to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Just bear with me, fellas. Hypothetically, let's say you had the opportunity to start veteran Joe Flacco or a young former sixth-round undersized new guy. As Mace said, the Broncos need a jolt of energy badly, and I'm just not feeling it from Flacco. I'd rather go with a young guy and see what he's got. Of course, you all were talking about Gardner Minshew, who has had, who has had three games to prove his street cred. But as Zach points out in his excellent piece on Minshew Mania, the Broncos shouldn't shy away from a quarterback just because he doesn't look like Paxton Lynch or Brock Osweiler. And Allen looks a lot more like Minshew than Lynch. Not in his face. No. They're both 6-1, both went in the sixth round, and nothing much was expected out of either of them. That's fair. The Broncos indeed need to jolt some Elon. Why wait six more games to find out if we have it sitting on our own bank? Uh, here's the thing is you you learn this stuff in practice. Like Gardner Minshew, I'm, I guarantee you the coaches will say, hey, man, he was looking solid in practice. And so we were confident – when Nick went down, although it was unfortunate, that Gardner could come in and keep uh, keep the ship afloat. Now, I don't know how the Broncos coaches feel about Brandon Allen, but I doubt it is the same way that the Jags felt about Gardner Minshew. There's one big difference. Hand size. Brandon Allen literally went to a physical therapist to work on increasing his hand size to try to get it to that magic nine-inch number. Gardner Minshew's hand size at the scouting combine was measured at 10 and 1 eighths inches. Wow. The legend of the stash continues. I'm not going to make a joke about Nick Foles and, and Gardner Minshew and big hands, but you can infer uh, it. Don't, don't make the small hands joke either. You know, the, 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 the Austin Powers one, you know about that, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Connie's. <laughs> Smell like cabbage. Small hands. <laughs> From Chef Adamel, as always, great work. Two questions here. First, uh, Thursday Night Football, if that is not a pass interference that can be overturned, never challenge another. That's exactly how I feel. That, yes. As you may follow mm -hmm. other sports, do you see this sort of politics with officials? They, in my opinion, are making a statement about what they think of the rule change. I see it in baseball sometimes over the years. On instant replay, because the way their replay is structured, everything is reviewed at – either an office in New York or an office in San Francisco where you basically one's doing early games, one's doing the late games on the West Coast and Colorado as well. And you have an umpire whose crew is not working at that time for that round, for that round of series around baseball who is in the replay booth and is ultimately making the call. And sometimes... I, mean, I don't have evidence of this, but this is just the sense I get. You'll see a replay, and you'll think it's obvious to overturn, but then they won't do it. And I always got the sense from that that Major League Baseball umpires, who were not in favor of instant replay, by the way, as it was being instituted, sometimes try to sabotage it a little bit. Wow. That would be quite the story. No evidence. Just, I, I'm not sitting here saying that I've, I've got the goods. It's just a, a feeling I have sometimes watching games, and you're like, it's obvious. His hand was in there, right? Well, no, they're, they're not going to make yep. that call. And we've seen it with the Rockies. I, I swear 
there was one year with the Braves, it was 2018, I felt like every challenge was was going against going against the team. I almost said us because I'm a huge Braves fan. Is it okay to say us if you're a huge fan? Heck yeah. Okay. I felt like it, I felt like every call was going against us night after night to the point where I'd be yelling at my television to Brian Snicker, "Don't bother challenging this. Right. It's useless." Um, the pass interference thing is absolutely mm. absurd. It's oh my! Ridiculous! It's a joke. It's a textbook. I mean, everything about the contact is textbook. The players be not, illegal use of the hands, right? In he's addition not, to pass, he has no clue the ball is coming in. He's not turning back. He the, there's a hand that gets up towards. Marquez Valdez Scantling's face mask for crying out loud. Underneath there, his face uh, mask. Yes, there's so much going on there. If uh, if they were making a teaching tape to show officials what pass interference is, you would show that. And they and it was no and it was no call. Terrible. Like that was bad enough to the point that makes me question if the challenge rule was in effect last year in Saints Rams, they might not have called that. Yeah. This is true. So this was a PR move completely. Oh, well, we messed this thing up really badly. Well, now we'll let you challenge it. But I truly believe there is a um, a focus on don't turn, don't overturn these, so coaches stop challenging them. And that's going to be my question to Vic Fangio when we go out there to talk to him today: mm-hmm. Is are you done challenging pass interference because it seems very clear that you can't get one overturned? Well put. We're not going to see anything as egregious as Saints-Rams maybe ever again. And maybe that's the level of egregiousness it has to be for them to overturn it. Well, when I made the point on Twitter, I, I uh, retweeted Will Brinson of CBS, who uh, had done the, the, uh, the capture of the video. And a reply came in to me, well, it's maybe they're focusing it on it only being a game-changing call, you know, a, 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 a moment that alters the outcome of the game. You can't simply say, okay, fine, we're only going to do this in the last two minutes of a game. The most important moment, the highest leverage moment of a game might be in the middle of the third quarter when that no call on the contact in Philadelphia Green Bay happened. You don't know when the highest leverage point of the game is as it's happening quite often. So just, you know, I don't, the notion that, oh, they're only going to use it in the last two minutes. That's bull plop. If you've got this in there, you can't say, oh, well, we're going to call this late, but early it might not make a difference because that's bull. That might be the key moment of the game, and certainly the pa- that might have been a possession that allowed the Packers to get another touchdown. That could, have been, that could have been a moment that decided the game. Completely and utterly agree, and it's, uh, it's weird. I hate it, uh, and I'm excited to see what Vic says. From Bumpy Buffalo, last one here, bold prediction time. Deontay Spencer, 100-yard kick return for a TD, a pick six, and a sack. Talk about uh, going to Vegas. Wow. I know I'm shooting for the moon here, but I can have hopes and dreams. As much as I want all those things uh, to happen, the return to me would be the most important. Spencer had a great return, and it gave me a feeling that punts and kickoffs can be exciting plays again. If he can have one or more electric returns in the game, I think it will turn things around on all sides of the ball. Broncos 28. Jag 17. And then you don't need a long, drawn-out drive with a lot of things that can go wrong. Take care of it right away. I mean, <laughs> Deontay Spencer had a great return last Sunday. He was kicking himself a little bit. They didn't take it all the way. And, of course, the offense petered out, <laughs> went backwards with a sack, and punted. I mean, that was... Uh, if I'm looking for a moment that kind of summarizes the first three weeks of the Broncos' 2019 season, it's that. 
there was an opportunity that was there, and they quickly frittered it away. Completely agree. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here today, but I have one last thing to say. If you enjoyed this ad-free podcast and a sixth podcast of the week, and you are not a subscriber to BSN Denver, subscribe and let us know that you subscribed because of this today. And then maybe I can make the case, if enough of you do it, that, hey, this should be a weekly thing where we can have an ad-free podcast where we just talk about subscribing to the website. So it's in your hands if you want this to continue. Let us know. And on that note, we will talk to you after the game on Sunday. Don't leave your comments and questions on this podcast. We won't get to them after the game. Make sure to save your post-game comments for that podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us all week, guys, and we will talk to you on Sunday.